here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hi, this is Ben Grant from Ben Grant Music, and you are listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, this is Austin from Amusement Insider, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hey, this is Hunter from the On the Hunt Podcast, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hey, this is Jeff Tucker, host of the podcast 91 Reasons, and the creator of the YouTube channel Tucker Time. And you're listening to something that's better than both of those, the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and lend us both your Coaster ears. Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can dry up all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your host, David Cantu and Jenna Gassell. Hey, how's it going, Jenna? Great. How's it going, Dave? It's going good, going good. Happy June. Oh my god, it's the start of summer! I don't know what to do with myself. That means October's around the corner. Several more weeks left of school? Technically, I only have nine days for the regular school season, and then I start, hopefully, the summer adventure. Oh, nice. What's the summer adventure? Basically another summer school type thing, but it's a little bit more relaxed, more fun. Like, I'm teaching kids how to decorate cookies and cupcakes. (laughs) Oh, nice. Nice. Something fun to do. Yeah, so... So you're going to be in a classroom kitchen, turning on a bunch of ovens? <laughs> no, not... I wish. They took all the ovens out. Oh, yeah. No, it's just bringing in a bunch of cupcakes with icing and teaching them how to use a piping bag and how to decorate cupcakes. Wow. With different Could you tools. imagine being in a home ec kitchen like the old days in the summertime, having all those ovens on, the amount of heat on an already hot day? Ew. Yeah. <laughs> that would be not so fun. Although that would be great in the wintertime, I'll tell you that. Right? I miss those days. I remember when we were in middle school, we used to have home ec. Even in high school, they had home ec classes. I don't know why they closed them all out for some reason. That was a very good lesson for kids to learn. Not popular. I don't know, but I, you know what? I was in the Boy Scouts, guys, and I learned how to cook through them. And you know what? And also with my family being cooks, I'm actually very proud to say that I can cook anything. And I am proud of that. And you got some good stuff, too, because I've had it. Oh, we love the barbecue as well. (laughs) Well, guys, looks like summer's starting. I hope everyone's got their trips planned and ready to roll because it's going to be a really fun coaster season. And we're going to be with you all through the summer, providing really awesome episodes while you travel out on the road. And if you're listening to us while you're driving, thank you for taking the time to listen to us. We've got a very special guest. Andrew's got a very special friend named Tyler Murillo. He's a theme park enthusiast based in Florida. They've got a pretty incredible story but until then but first we are going to do our lovely segment called the youtube highlight clip Clip of of the the week week. it's the youtube highlight clip of the week the youtube highlight clip of the week it's a video that stands out because it's unique it's the youtube highlight clip of the week 
Alright, so this week's YouTube highlight clip of the week comes from a very unique YouTube channel. Really discusses about overcoming fear. Because like I've been saying since the very beginning of this podcast, I truly believe, which makes our mission here, is that the biggest problem that everyone in this world, especially here in our country, is facing fear. Fear that causes so much, so many problems that we have all seen, and the pandemic really revealed just how much fear is still out there in this country. There's a lot of people out there right now that are still living life in fear, probably are looking to make a change. So the video we're gonna be sharing here, and you can feel free to click on it in our show notes down below after you finish listening to our episode. But this is a very good motivational speech about overcoming fear, so take a listen. We must look at what are the things that we can do that would put us on some firm footing in life, that will enable us to do some things and and use some powers that we have that many of us go through life never ever discovering that we have those things going for us. And part of that, I believe, is knowing what it is your life worth. What is it that gives your life a sense of meaning and purpose? Because once you find that, it puts you in your power place. See, if you know what your life work is, I encourage you to start working on it. If you can't do it all at one time, do just a little bit of it. And if you don't know what it is that you showed up to do, if you don't know why you're here, I encourage you to find out what your purpose is here. What is the meaning of your life? And I say to you that if you begin to take a conscious effort to find out what it is that you're supposed to do, I say that it can literally save your life. I said that it can literally save your life. See, when you're going someplace and you already know how much you're going to make, you already know how far you can go, you're in a dead-end position. It erodes your self-esteem. It lowers your sense of yourself. It creates an inner turmoil. It creates an emptiness in you. So I say that your life is worth finding what it is that you're supposed to do. Do find out what your work is and hold on to it and don't let your dream go. Don't let it go. See, and here's something else I want you to begin to look at. Why is it that most people don't pursue their dreams or don't do better than what they're doing if they're capable of doing it? I think that many of us don't go the next step because we don't know what to do yet. And I say that that the reason that we don't even explore the possibility of what to do is because subconsciously we don't believe that it can happen for us and we don't believe that we deserve it. So here's what I'm suggesting. How much time do you spend working on you? How much time do you spend every day working on your dream? In the last 90 days, how many books have you read? In the last year, what new skill or knowledge have you acquired? What kind of investment have you made in you? So I'm saying that as you begin to look at where you want to go, if you want to make it today, and things are changing so fast you have to literally run to stand still, I'm saying that you've got to make some conscious effort to begin to work to develop you. Here's something else. Most people are not living their dreams because of fear, ladies and gentlemen. Fear, limited vision, 
and lack of self-esteem is what keeps most people doing things they don't want to do. The same reason that people stay in relationships where they're abused or they're unhappy or it's unfulfilling, they can't see themselves beyond that relationship. They can't see themselves enjoying life without that person. They think that this is all that they can do. The same reason that people get stuck at a certain level in life, they can't see things being better for them. And they think that this is it and this is all they deserve. This is all they've ever seen. It's been passed on to them. And they think that this is it for them. Fear is the most subtle and destructive of all human diseases. Ladies and gentlemen, fear kills dreams. Fear kills hope. Fear put people in the hospital. Fear can age you. Fear, ladies and gentlemen, can hold you back from doing something that you know within yourself that you're capable of doing, but it will paralyze you. And it seemed like you're in a hypnotic spell. And I ask you a question, what is the benefit? What's the benefit of allowing fear to hold you back? What's the benefit of giving up on yourself, of not stepping out on life and taking life on? What is the benefit for you? What's the plus in that? It's one of the things I had to ask myself. So I didn't want to make any mistakes. I wanted everybody to like me. I wanted to be perfect the first time I did something. It's not going to happen. You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to hurt some folks' feelings. You're going to create some enemies whenever you decide that you want to begin to take life on. You've got to ask yourself, how long am I going to allow this to hold me back? He said, fear is false evidence appearing real. That is an illusion that we create in our mind. It is a state of mind that can be changed. So let's look at how we can begin to take some steps to restructure that fear, to begin to expand our visions of ourselves, to begin to increase our self-esteem. Webster said that self-esteem means confidence and satisfaction in oneself. Look at your life right now. Whatever you've done up to this point in time, your life is working. Whatever you have produced, it came out of you as a result of the kind of person that you have become. We have Andrew standing by with our special guest, Tyler Morello. So take it away, Andrew. Thank you, David and Jenna. This is Andrew, one of the producers of the Coaster Challenge podcast with you today. And today I'm talking with a guest, special guest, actually a friend of mine. I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Tyler Merlo. Welcome, Tyler. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. And you know, you and I have been spent a lot of time hanging out at Universal here, here in Florida. I'm sure we'll be talking about Universal and the parks in Florida quite a bit. And just looking forward to um, chatting and getting your perspective on some of the things we'd like to talk about here on the show. So to start off with uh, just kind of an intro, tell us about yourself. Just tell our audience about yourself. Now, I know you've had some experience covering the theme park industry. Why don't you go ahead and share about that as well? Okay. Well, I am 25 years old. I've lived in South Florida my whole life. I have been very much invested and interested in theme parks since I was a little kid. As a matter of fact, I've been interested long before I even visited my first theme park. I have always just been drawn to just the the design process, the creative process, things like that. Uh, As far as covering parks, I got my degree in journalism at uh, Florida Atlantic University. I use my writing ability to start working for a blog to happen to cover all the Central Florida theme parks. So I got to put the two skills that are my best, my knowledge and love of travel 
with my skill of writing to basically write articles and just cover anything new that happens in the park. So I think, uh, I think I've been coming to parks, honestly, since I was like four years old. I have to think about that. Four or five. Basically, my whole life has been nothing but enjoying all these great and wonderful places. So That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I think four years old was the, the first memory I have or the first knowledge I have as far as being, you know, how young I was going to parks. I think that was for the first time I ever went to a park. First time I rode a coaster. Four years old, uh, right here in Orlando, riding uh, Space Mountain. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. That I have, I have, you know, early on in life, later in life, we have like just like little little pieces of memories from those early early years. And I have memories of the loading station and getting on the ride and being scared and and all that. Yeah. So about the same age, it sounds like as you. So you've you've lived here in Florida all your life, and uh, yeah. So that, like I said, we're probably going to be talking a lot about the Orlando Parks today. I'm sure, which is which I'm always uh, happy to talk about. Let's just start off with and speaking of like you were saying, maybe about four years old is earliest uh, time you ever went to a park. To your best of your knowledge, what was the first theme park attraction you ever experienced in your life? So attraction period. I know the first park I ever visited was, um, I want to say it was either Magic Kingdom or Epcot. There is a photo of a very, very small toddler version of me in front of Spaceship Earth with the giant 2000 and the wand on top. So (laughs) it had to be somewhere around the year 2000. So it couldn't have been, like I said, four or five years old. And to the best of my knowledge, I don't, I really, I really don't remember that trip. I, like you said, just very faint images. It had to be something very tame. I really, I really can't think that far back as to what my first attraction was that I actually officially went on. But as far as my memory goes, like the first attraction I can remember going on, it most likely was, uh, I think, Spider-Man at Islands. I think that's the first attraction I actually remember going on. Either that or, or waiting in line for Dinosaur, which was a mistake at the time because apparently I was very afraid of that ride. But as far back as I can think, because I just can't put anything else together. But I definitely went to Disney as my first park somewhere in there was my first attraction, but I can't really think of that exact moment. But I do remember very faint, fleeting images of, of Spider-Man. Got it. And so you were born, what, 97? 96. 96. Okay, got it. So you were just a few years old. You're just a few years older than Islands of Adventure itself, which opened in 99. Spider-Man was the opening day attractions as well. So you might have been very young still because that opened, what, three years later? Were you like, what, maybe four or five years old, maybe when you were? Uh, yeah, there's or? actually, uh, it's funny you mentioned that because there's a the the only way I know that that trip existed was wasn't very not a lot of many family photos in that trip, but there happens to be one. My brother is two and a half years younger than me. I think we went Highlands in like two thousand one. It was the winter. There's a photo of me and my little brother taking a picture with Spider Man. And it was like in the front of the park. You can definitely tell it's like Port of Entry. And I still have that photo. It, it had to be somewhere around there. I was very, very young in that photo. So it's interesting, the parallels, you know, we talked about how it sounds like both of us did our first parks, and, you know, four years old or so. And like you, my first visit to Islands Adventure was in 2001 in the fall, and I think it was late October. Mm-hmm. So maybe a little bit before you, it's kind of interesting parallel there. Uh, but it sounds like maybe, maybe Dinosaur was a little bit earlier than Spider-Man from what you're saying. Prob- yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Not by yeah, much, but- though. Right, but certainly an Omni Mover type dark ride. Basically, they they kind of have their parallels. Yeah, Omni Mover in air quotes is very yeah <laughs> yeah, very yeah of course of course yeah yeah. I mean, you know, I think we both I think you and I both agree on which of those is the better attraction in our opinions. But yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so beyond that first attraction, probably more recent memories. I'm not saying yesterday or maybe it was last year. So 
certain attraction that you and I both, you probably know what I'm talking about already. But what would you say since that first trip, you know, four years old or so till today, all the parks you've been to, the rides you've been on, what would you say is the attraction that scared you the most in the anticipation of it before you got on? I was never really afraid of rides to start off, but roller coasters for whatever reason freaked me out. I don't know what it is because I don't have a fear of heights. I don't have a fear of going upside down. I don't know what it was. Just I guess it's more intimidation than fear, I would say. Okay. First okay. ride, I mean, the park I started going to more often than anything was Islands. Um, my parents went to studios shortly after it opened, and they went through all the calamities of all the rides breaking down all the time. And everything. <laughs> they were a little bit turned off by that, and I don't blame them. And they didn't go back until after Islands was already built. And it was like by pure chance that we went on that vacation. They just got like a pass or something from like work or whatever. So they didn't even know all that stuff was there. And then they went and they really liked it. So from that point on, we really started becoming universal people. And we've been going there ever since. I've gone to other parks myself. So my only real experience with like big, scary roller coasters to me was all the stuff at Islands. Hulk is always the one that sticks out as like everyone is freaked out by it. But the first one that like really freaked me out and actually was my first ever roller coaster was Dueling Dragons. Just something about the way that they interlock with each other and the way that you suspend from the track. It just is like, for whatever reason, it just freaked me out more than Hulk ever did, even though Hulk is very like in your face as far as as soon as you turn the corner, you see it's like right there, you can't escape it. But there's just something about the way Dueling Dragons, the height, taller than Hulk, more inversions, the two of them just so tight together that that just always just for some reason freaked me out. That was the one that was like my stepping stone into all the other roller coasters I've ever done. Okay, so a few things to unpack there. So first of all, you mentioned that before even going to a park, you were playing roller coaster tycoon, right? Mm -hmm. So you were like really young playing that game. Oh yeah, the game couldn't. I mean, the game came out before I was born. I think it came out in like '93. But I mean, I was playing that. It was one of the first games I ever remember playing. Period. But yeah, I was playing on the computer. We had the first one. But yeah, I, I, I must have been very young. Must have been like like around the time I started going to parks. Probably four years old, three or four years old. Wow. I mean, that's, I mean, that's not an easy game to play. I mean, it's not a, a kid's game. It's not a little kid's game. It's really more of an adult's game or, you know, teen at least. Mm. So, and I played it. I played, you know, multiple variants of it and whatnot. That's impressive. That's really cool. And so you said that Dueling Dragons, that was your first coaster? Maybe not. If you're not counting like a little, like a barnstormer or like a, at the time of Flying Unicorn. My first major right. roller coaster was Dueling Dragon, specifically the ice sign. Okay, so your first kind of big boy coaster, your first inverting, yeah. you know, big, mm -hmm. tall coaster, thrill coaster. Okay, mm -hmm. that's pretty impressive. And you were, again, you were like five years old at this point? Well, I went through a long stretch where I didn't want to go on roller coaster. And I don't think I ever went on a big roller coaster until I just was so, like, afraid to go on them. I never wanted to do it. And I just looked at it for two seconds, like, nope. I don't think I ever actually went on Dueling Dragons. So I was like closer to like maybe like 12 years old. There was like a long oh, gap. Like I just okay. didn't. I did go on stuff in between, like I'm just Space Mountain, Thunder Mountain, stuff like that. But I never went on like big stuff until I was like almost like a teenager. There was just a long gap where I was just completely afraid to go on anything big or intimidating or, in my opinion, what I thought was very tall. As I quickly learned, that's not any, anywhere near as tall as something. <laughs> okay, I was confused. So I thought you said that you had gotten on Dueling Dragons on no, no, first no. trip to that would be That would be massively impressive. <laughs> yeah, well, well, also, I, I would wonder if you would have been tall enough, you know, because I oh, think... No. 
I think no, the height 54, requirement. 54. 54. Yeah. yeah, right, right. You must be a really tall kid, right. Okay, so like you were a preteen, like, you know, 12 years old, you said when you first wrote Dueling Dragon. That would, that you would say was your most intimidating experience, like mm -hmm. before the ride. Okay, that's very, that's a first. We've never had Dueling Dragons as the answer to that question on the on the podcast. And that's fine. We like getting variety and that's, that's cool to have that for a first time. So let's, let's talk about Dueling Dragons a little bit. But Julie Dragons, you know, a lot of the line was, I think remember, it's been years, but it was inside. So you were, you know, you saw the ride a little bit from the outside, you know, approaching this, you know, the actual entrance, but then you were inside the building and then got on the ride. You didn't necessarily have like what people would have been to like Six Flags was their scariest coaster. Even at Cedar Fair Park where the lines are generally outside and you're mm -hmm. having to, as you're walking through that line, you know, hour long, two hours long, whatever it is, having to hear and see the coaster and, you know, increasing that fear and that anticipation. So you didn't necessarily have all that. So, but, but talk to me, like, you know, you, right before you get in line, you see the outside, you go in line, talk to me what was going through your head for that process, starting from when, when you first get, you know, first the attraction. Okay, so at the time I went on, Harry Potter and the Wizarding World was not constructed yet. So we're talking Merlin Wood version of Islands of Adventure. And I was, we used to, me and my brother used to always wait at the uh, roots that were outside in the Enchanted Oak. And we used to sit there and watch my parents go on the ride and wait for them to come back. So <laughs> I would watch my little brother, we'd wait on the side. And then they kept telling me, like, you're tall enough to go on, you should go on. And I'm like, no. It's okay. No, it's fine. I, you know, it's funny. I told you the story when I when we last hung out. We were waiting at the the backside of Hagrid's. Um, I told you that yeah. bribe me with the with like an extra allowance if I went on. They're like if you go on, we'll give that's you that's right. You, That's we'll give right. you twenty dollars. So that was what yes. got me there. It wasn't even trying to like actually let me conquer my fear. It's just like oh money, I'll go. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's it's funny that we talked about that where that ride once stood. So that's actually right. Kind of, I think full circle. But so they they said oh we'll give you my uh, okay. So I went. In, and I remember going in the line for anyone that remembers what Dueling Dragon was before it was Dragon Challenge that line was absolutely horrifying there was like skeletons in night armor on the wall <laughs> there was like burnt stuff everywhere there was that one door it was like bang and it like dragon noises it did not help that doesn't help at all <laughs> so, I remember just being like really freaked out and I, I have this very distinct memory of getting to the station because I can always picture the station in my head when I go into Hagrid's now of the like you can see both trains after you make the decision what side you want to go through there was that room right. that had both trains all the queues kind of merged together and you just saw like the shadows of the dragons like flying over with like projection right. effects that was just like whoa and then seeing the the train pull in and i can hear the sound of the motors like pushing the train into the station and like everything clicking in the door the floor coming down i remember just that entire experience i remember strapping myself in as tight as humanly possible because <laughs> <laughs> i didn't want to fall out and everything the other thing i remember from that experience Experience was I went on it was like evening so it wasn't even daytime so I don't know if that really helped either to not be able to see where I was oh going. wow the other <laughs> I laugh about this all the time we're pulling out of the station and, you're, and you line up with the other train you're starting to go my parents asked me if I'm okay my dad's like oh, making sure I'm good uh, I asked my parents if it's okay if I cursed and they pulled <laughs> out but I remember doing the whole ride I absolutely loved it and the first thing I wanted to do was turn around and do that little they had that little bypass to go straight on to the other side if you wanted to again right yeah, yeah. so I remember we did fire and I remember being much more intense intimidated by fire than by ice His fire is way more intense um right. that was my first memory i remember that entire like first run at it got my 20 dollars, so that was good <laughs> right interesting okay so obviously that was a big a lot of first for you for you know 
first big tall coaster, first inverted coaster, first in, uh, you know inversions and, and, and whatnot. Do you remember what row you sat on on ice that first time? I don't remember the exact number, but it was like middle of the train and I sat smack in the middle, one of the two middle seats because I did not want to be okay. on the edge. And you were, you were riding it at night and riding a big coaster like that for your first time at night and it being an inverted coaster, you're not able to see really well at all where you're going. Oh no, not, yeah, so, not directly in front of you, no. So talk to me as you're on the ride itself. Was there a moment during the ride, not afterwards, but during the ride where you went from being intimidated to being like, oh, I'm having a great time. Like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah, there was a, you know, to your point about like, like, yeah, the briaries what got me there. It wasn't like me, like actively trying to like conquer my fear, but I remember going up the lift and just looking around and you can see like everything below you. And then you can also see a lot of studios from up there too. So it's a little intimidating. Right. I just remember being scared on the lift. And I think the point in which I immediately said, this is fun, was probably like the bottom of the first drop. It took like only that, that little amount because that ride had like a curve, like sweeping drop. And it feels very like different than most rides. I guess a lot of inverted coasters have sweeping drops, but it was like, as soon as we hit like top speed on the bottom, I was already having a blast. Like it really was like, I think it, well, and then you kind of brace yourself for inversions because, you know, zero G rolls and Cobra rolls feel very weird if you've never done it before it's hard to describe oh yeah no and my head was probably banging around a little bit because i hadn't hit my growth spurt at that point i i just remember just being like really like amped like almost immediately like it didn't take much for me to just have um, like fun right off the bat that's great that's great i already kind of have an idea of what it was like but tell me how did you feel when you got off of ice that first time oh man well physically dizzy because <laughs> that ride was very dizzy even even the, <laughs> the later years it's still very dizzy yeah and so initially dizzy got off a little wobbly my mom and dad asked me are you like you okay and they i was like yeah of course it, it was just like a, a feeling of like euphoria almost you know you, you have so much like you never really have that much adrenaline pumping in you as a child so like that's like the first time like your your, your heart's probably like being like crazy uh doing anything like insane i guess but i just remember being very amped very excited and the first thing i want to do was go on the other side again i just remember just being very very happy coming off of it you know obviously it has been 13 or so years since then you know you've been on a lot of coasters a lot of rides since then would you say or how would you say that riding Julie Dragons and when you were 12 years old that first time, how did that impact your life, conquering your intimidation like that? Really riding those coasters and then Hulk after was really the stepping stone into me like fully enjoying my favorite pastime, which is going to parks. You you really do miss a lot, especially at a, at a parks like Disney or, or Universal that have such good theming and storytelling. You really do miss a lot outside of just the ride experience itself by not going on these things. From my passion standpoint, point I got to enjoy a lot more and appreciate a lot more that goes into park design engineering things like that and on a personal level there's just so many people that I've gotten to meet and talk to like yourself you know we have all had that that shared connection because you've gone on things you remember oh I remember I was on coaster this time happened, or I like this versus this, and you can have a good debate. And I've gotten to meet so many great people simply because I got to go on roller coasters. And I'm sure that's the same for a lot of people, but I really would not have known the amount of people that I've known in the industry or otherwise, simply because I did not go on Dueling Dragons. So I do have to credit that a lot to just the impact on my life being that I got to meet so many great people. Okay. So it sounds like the two things is one, being a big fan of theme parks, that being able to go on these bigger rides or basically be able to go on any ride at a park, it gave you a more complete kind of assessment and a complete appreciation of the park, experience them fully. 
And then the other factor is the social aspect, you know, being able to meet so many friends and so forth. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Those are the the first one you mentioned. That's kind of a unique one. I've not heard before where you felt like you're missing out, not getting the full theme park experience. That's a really good answer. I like that. But certainly the social side, we've heard that before. And that doesn't make it a bad answer. It's really, if anything, it just emphasizes that one aspect of theme park therapy is the social side of it. Certainly you're getting the adrenaline rush and the endorphins going that sort of healthy high, if you will, by riding these thrill rides, having the social aspect and having, you know, a great time. So yeah, I can definitely relate to the social aspect of things. And it's one of my favorite things is, is sharing these positive experiences with friends. And, and yeah, I mean, that, that social uh, interaction is how we met. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just, it's all part of the, another side of that theme park therapy and the great experience of why we love parks so much. It's not the parks themselves it's the people too can you think of not that you know you haven't shared any some good thoughts here already but taking things kind of one step further beyond riding dueling dragons that first time theme parks in general can you talk to any other significant positive impacts that theme parks have had on your life uh sure like i mentioned at the beginning i do have passion and a talent for writing i've done all different various forms of writing news reporting did a radio broadcast as well. I was a producer for FAU's student news radio program. So that was a good honor in my senior semester. There's so many things that have happened since I've been going to parks on a personal level, outside of going having fun and, you know, hanging out with friends and family and all that. Like, that's always great. Good memories will always last forever when I, when we do those things. But I like, so you take my like theme parks and my, my writing ability. I like to take a lot of photos when I go and I post them on Instagram. I don't really do too much to them. I'm not like professional editor or anything. Just like to post when I go. A website, it's all like my posts. And then I went and followed them. And then I saw they were looking for a, a writer for a theme park writer. I'm like, okay, I can, I can kind of get a crack at it. They wanted me to do a couple samples and I did it and I got it. And I've been writing for them since 2016. Been in quite an honor for them to do that. Yes. And then from there, that portfolio got me a job as a travel agent on the side. So I wouldn't have gotten that job without that ability, which also goes back to theme parks. And then on top of that, the two of those just got me a job that I just got hired with. Really, if I didn't go to theme park, none of this would have shaked out the same way. So beyond like the family memories and all the good stuff that comes with going on vacation, like a lot of my personal life would not have shaken out the same way had I just never been or never gone. It's had a That's crazy awesome. impact. That's great. That's really cool in a way. So your love of theme parks, when you coupled in your love of writing, that kind of helped you kind of move things forward and get involved a little bit you know, covering the industry, but also helped you kind of enhance your resume, it sounds like, mm-hmm. where you could get your your day job, as they call it, you know, better day jobs like the one you just got. Congratulations. That right, right. That's really awesome. That's really cool. Let's shift gears a little bit. Let's have a little fun with some a few other questions here. What would you say is the craziest moment you've ever had on a theme park attraction? I went a long time without visiting specifically Magic Kingdom. There was like a good like 10 year gap where I just did not go because I was always going to islands and then I would make like side trips to SeaWorld or go to Busch Gardens. I never went back to Magic Kingdom. And then like three years ago, we decided to go on like spring break, me and my brother and a friend. It was very refreshing to walk in there again. And it was just so cool. It was almost like going for the first time because I was so, so long before. I mean, obviously I've seen like POVs and stuff, but it's different when you walk in and see everything yourself. It was very refreshing. And I remember thinking, all right, we're going to do everything here because there's nothing scary at all in this park. I went on Thunder Mountain. I know there's zero airtime on that ride, but I told everyone we're sitting all the way in the back to extract the most airtime (laughs) possible. 
of that. So we sat up, we stuffed ourselves in the back row thinking, oh, this is so much fun. This is great. And the ride came to a stop and we got evacuated off the ride. And it was the only time that has ever happened to me. I've had rides break down on me before, but I've never been evacuated off the ride. So at least stopped the ride on a brake run. There was like a, all the effects completely turned off. So that's when I knew something was wrong. They had a team member come out and they, they automatically like released all the lap bars. And we had to like walk out a bunch of steps, walk past a bunch of sets and everything. It was really cool. Never been taken off a ride before. That's definitely the craziest thing that's happened to me. That's very cool. But that's a, that's a, that's a good answer. I like that. It's been big, big time. I think you're the only only person that's been evac off a of big thunder that we've interviewed so far. It's pretty cool. I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this next question. Of course, I'm going to go ahead and ask it. So I'm not going to assume anything. So what would you say is your favorite attraction? I, I used to think it was Mako for a while. That held that <laughs> title for a few years. And then uh, Velocicoaster existed. And now here we are. That ride is the most like just insane thing that I've ever done. And I know it's in high regard with a lot of coaster enthusiasts. So I'm not the only one that thinks that, yep. but I remember you, Austin, and everyone else was like, telling me oh, about it. Like you, you got on, I did the preview. I didn't do the preview the first day. So you guys already had been on it by the time right. I was ready to come up. And I, I remember you guys just hy hyping it up. I'm like, if you guys are telling me, you, know, you guys have a coaster count collectively of like several thousand. Right. So if you guys are telling me that this thing is ridiculous, like I'm very inclined to believe you guys. I remember going on and just thinking right off the bat, like it's the only roller coaster I've ever gotten off of where I didn't have my breath collectively at the end of it. That is the most crazy, my favorite roller coaster of all time. Good answer. You and I both share that same uh, opinion. Um, both of our number one is uh, currently Velocicoaster and I remember seeing your reaction to it and you know I've been out of course with you numerous times now and your family and yeah it's 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 been an awesome journey to see new amazing coaster make such an impression on people uh, David you know two of the other uh, people from the podcast here of course David the founder executive producer wrote it finally in late October last year and it became their new number one on the break run it wasn't even they didn't think about it the first time they wrote it was their new number one and so many other friends that that I that have been visiting or local friends again the same opinion and the same emotional reaction to it. What would you say is your least favorite attraction of all time? Is it man? Is it? I'm sure someone said this before, and I'm not the only one that said it. <laughs> you already know. I think you're. I know what you're going to say. Go ahead and say it. It's fine. Um, it's fine. I have as my least favorite attraction ever is uh, Fast and Furious Supercharged, and that's not a surprise. I got to soft open that ride. Like, I think it was like the first day uh, that it was soft open or something. I was keeping tabs on social media when it was going to soft open because I wanted to go on it. I mean, I figured if, if they plussed Kong like they did from Hollywood here, a plus Fast and Furious couldn't be that much different, especially because the, the ride building was so big and everything. So I'm like, all right. I happened to be off the next day when they, or the day that they were doing it. It's like on a whim, I told my friend, we had an annual pass. I'm like, do you want to go and just, just go for the day and come back three hour drive for me each way. So we went super early in the morning and we got there. We camped out. We got there as soon as park opened, there was no one there. We camped out in front of Fast and Furious and it, they did not open the ride for like an hour and a half until after the park opened. And it was just waiting, waiting. Had all the team members oh, out there, and all the uniforms were waiting, waiting. And they finally opened it. We had the little pizza place across the street as part of the right. New York area, like I think Louis or I don't remember what it's called. But we yeah, were eating yeah, lunch. Yeah. We were eating lunch yeah. there, and we were looking out the window to see the entrance to see if it was right. going to open. 
we went on and we saw people like lining up like, all right, that's it. So we went and I went through it. And so I have the very unfortunate distinction to be one of the first people to go on that ride and then <laughs> like not, not like it after it was like, oh man, it's crazy. <laughs> so it sounds like it's like the definition of anticipation for you. Yeah. And for me, like I wasn't going into it blind. Like I was very much aware of what, of what the ride system was going to be and everything. So it wasn't like, you know, the ride vehicle pulls up and I'm like, what is this? Like, I already kind of knew what it was going to be. I just didn't think it was going to be like that. I most certainly did not think that the, the, um, the part that's on the ride that has the, um, the projection effects, I thought that was going to be like the pre-show. So right. when I saw on the ride, right. I'm like, wait, what? like, this is part of the ride. I was very like confused. Yeah, no, I hear you. Kind of one of the last things I want to ask you about, Tyler, what advice would you like to share with those that are listening, you know, in terms of conquering fears and getting past that intimidation? You know, how much should their mother bribe them? I'm just kidding on that last part, but you know, so, you know, anything you'd like to share? You know, I, I looked at my own experiences and then starting with dragons and then going to Hulk and then really not being much afraid of anything, going on Mako, going on Goliath at Six Flags over Georgia, going on, you know, Lost Coaster. Nothing really like freaks me out anymore. And I just like that comfort. You can just go anywhere and be like, oh, we're going. So much in my own personal experience has translated to friends that I brought along on trips that are not roller coaster people or my girlfriend, who's not a roller coaster person either, as you know from when we all hung out last time. Right. And so much of what I experienced, I can just see myself again in their shoes. I, that must have been what I was like when, I, when it was time <laughs> to go on things. And really, the number one advice I give to people about anything, whether it's roller coasters, whether it's food, whether it's like a show or something, just try it once. If you don't like it, you never have to do it ever again. Like I've been on rides where I tell people to go on something once. And they absolutely hate it. So I will never put them on that again. And I've been on plenty of rides where I bring someone on me with the first time. What'd you think about it? Loved it immediately. Um, the number one advice, piece of advice I could share to people is that you should just, even if something's scary, I think there's a lot of mental games that happen. Mental gymnastics, just really intimidating. Maybe you're afraid of going upside down. You don't know what it feels like. You don't like that drop feeling. You don't like heights. Roller coasters are over so fast that really, no matter anything you had in your head is gone the second you get off of it. And most of the times you can't comprehend what's going on when you go on something for the first time anyways. I would just say that just try something for the first time. Just go for it. Don't be afraid. Like I know it is a lot to, over to overcome major fears. It's just so satisfying once you do, because I wouldn't be right. ready if I didn't go on these things. And more so than I mean, just for the fun of it, just, you know, my personal life has been greatly impacted from doing these things as well. You never know what any individual moment that comes up, how it will change your entire life. Like if I didn't go to that past holy preview, I wouldn't have met you and I wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. So always, yeah. always just go for it. Life is too short to be like in a cocoon all the time. No, that's, that's great advice. I love it. And it kind of goes hand in hand. Like two of the main things you said there, you know, try it once. If you don't like it, you don't have to do it again. But at the same time, like, you know, talking about coasters a lot here, but even a lot of other rides, coasters in general, they are pretty short rides. I mean, the longest coaster in the world is, you know, maybe about five minutes or so, you know, four and a half, five minutes. Hagrid is up there with one being the longest, but generally your thrill coasters, your faster coasters, well, they're faster, so they get through the course faster, they're going to be done quicker. You know, Blast Coaster is, you know, a two minute or so ride, for that minute, I think. So yeah, it's over quickly. It's, it's not like you're there for an hour in agony. Yeah, those are really, that's really good advice. Thank you. Thank you. So last thing to do here is you're welcome to promote whatever you'd like. People, if you'd like to encourage people to find you on social media personally, in terms of the writing you do, the theme parks and whatnot, if you want to share anything about that. 
how people could find that. Anything you'd like to share, please share away. Sure. My social media is not private at all. Anyone's welcome to like anything that I post. I really just, just post things as I go. And my Instagram handle is my name, T-Y-L-E-R-M-U-R-I. L-L-O underscore 96. Every time I go to a park, I'm posting things. Anytime I hang out with you or anyone else in our crew, I post <laughs> things. It's free to share. Anyone can use my photos for anything if they want to, so that's fine. And then as far as my writing, I write for worldofuniversal.com or W-O-U for short. I do articles about ride reviews, things that are coming to the parks, trip photo reviews, updates, things of that nature. I also am a travel agent for Travelmation. I just started doing that right before the pandemic actually kicked in. I'm also good for booking Universal and Disney vacations. That is actually my job specialty is those two. If anybody ever needs a vacation, I can help you set it up. Awesome. Thank you again, Tyler, for joining me here today and down and chatting with me. And, and normally we're, we're waiting in line or getting on a ride together, but it's great to kind of you know, share with our audience your, your journey. And we don't get to talk to a lot of people that we, we talk to people that certainly live here in Florida, you know, but not everyone really, a lot of people that didn't live here their whole lives. So it's interesting kind of seeing your journey from being a little kid, going to the parks here and going to islands when, you know, it was almost a brand new park. You were just a few years old, et cetera, and going up from there. So thanks for sharing and thanks for joining us. Uh -huh. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Tyler. That was a great episode, Jen. It was. You know, it's really nice to uh, really hear people come and share about their stories, their theme park stories. Their really, theme park therapy. Yeah, basically getting some therapy out of us and bringing back old stories that they never even thought of until we brought it up with a question. It was a lot of fun. I hope you guys really enjoyed our episode. So Bradley, how can they find us on social media? If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today. Thank you, Bradley. Yes, guys, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to like our videos and make sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast network and make sure to be sure to write us a positive review. We really could use a review, guys. Send us one. We really appreciate it. And don't forget to hit our website at CoasterChallengeUSA.com. We got uh, click on the store. We actually got some brand new merch out for this season and we hope you guys will be able to buy some merch. The proceeds we donate every year to a local charity. We hope you guys will wear our merch with pride at the parks this year. Anybody who sends us a picture of them wearing a Coaster Challenge shirt, you might actually have a chance to be in a drawing to win $100. So make sure to uh, send us the photos of you wearing a Coaster Challenge podcast shirt. But in the meantime, guys, this is David Cantu. This is Jenna Gazelle. We'll see you next week right here on the Coaster Challenge podcast.